Hey, this is Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets, and you're listening to BT Talks Baseball on the 365 Sportscast Network. Take it away, Brett. Live from the launch pad in Huntington, New York, it's BT Talks Baseball, presented by 915 Construction and Design, home of Handyman Express. Now, here's Brett Topel. All right. I think it's time to get to our first guest. Uh, I'm so excited to have this man back on the program. He's been with me in the past. He's the 1972 Rookie of the Year. He's a three-time All-Star. He was the co-most valuable player in the 1975 All-Star Game. And I'm so honored to have him back back with me here on BT Talks Baseball. It's John Matlack. John, Happy New Year, and welcome back to BT Talks Baseball. Happy New Year to you too, Brett. Good to be back. John, it's always so great to talk baseball with you, but I wanted to start tonight by talking. You and I have not spoken in, in a couple of months, and certainly not since the, the passing of your longtime friend and teammate, Tom Seaver. And I was wondering if you could talk about the impact Tom on, had on your career early in your career. Well, I, that would probably eat up the rest of your program. He had a, a whale of an impact. They actually put my locker between his and, and Jerry Kuzman's when I made the club, and I, it couldn't have been in a better spot. Um, Jerry helped me a lot from the lefty on lefty kind of thing because we both threw from the same side. And, and Tommy was more uh, of an assistant in terms of the mental approach to the game, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, physical conditioning, eating habits, sleeping habits, things that will keep you prepared for every fifth day. And he was a, uh, just a, a great asset, no doubt about it. Certainly, you know, he's the franchise. He is the, the one person. You know, a lot of people, you know, said if the Mets have a Mount Rushmore, then it might be four different faces of Tom Seaver. And uh, he, the impact he had on the franchise is certainly uh, well documented. Uh, you, you have told me a couple of funny stories about Tom, and, and I wanted to, I was hoping we could retell some of those today. And one of them was uh, the, the day you made your major league debut against the Cincinnati Reds. You, you pitched very well, and I believe you left the game with a lead after pitching seven strong innings. And and then, uh, you know, the franchise kind of got in the way. Can you, can you tell, talk more about that? Well, it was that time of year. It was close to the All-Star break, and, and Tom had had his last start, wasn't going to get another one before the All-Star game. So they had him in the bullpen, and, and I'm in the shower uh, out of the game after seven innings uh, with a lead 3-2, to two, I believe it was. Um, I guess the lead was secured when they pinch hit for me in the seventh and, um, or the top of the eighth, maybe and drove in to go ahead runs. But at any rate, Tom comes into the ball game and, and he's going to secure the save, hopefully. And, and I figure I've got no better caddy that day. But lo and behold, a guy who hit a two-run home run off of me earlier in the day, uh, Tony Perez, managed to hit one off of Tom as well, a three-runner this time, and we ended up losing the game 5-3. I believe, I looked this up, I believe that was Tom's only blown save of his career. So I'm sure you... Uh, we're more than happy to be on the receiving end of that, right? <laughs> well, I, I was just happy to have survived my first outing in the major leagues. <laughs> well, you, you, you certainly did more than survive. You you went on to win the Rookie of the Year that year, and of course in '73 uh, were were a part of uh, uh, the, the, the Mets team and were a big part of it. That won the National League pennant. The other funny story I wanted to, to bring up was. The 1975 All-Star Game, which was such a great night for you. Uh, you pitched very well. You, you've told me in the past you just happened to get in the game at the right time. But the fact is you, you pitched very well and you ended up being the co-most valuable player uh, in the game, sharing it with Bill Madlock, uh, Matlack and Madlock, uh, uh, the, the MVP, uh, the connection in 1975. But 
it almost wasn't to be at all because thanks to a Tom Seaver pitch to call Yastrzemski, you almost had your life in danger, correct? Yeah, it was a strange situation. I was warming up to come into the ball game. They'd already told me I was going to be pitching the next inning. And uh, <clears throat> Tom's pitching to Yastrzemski, and, and the bullpen there at County Stadium is out in right center field under the, the scoreboard, sort of. And um, I'm warming up, and the guys in the bullpen were paying attention to the game, fortunately, and they yelled, look out, and I sort of sidestepped, and a ball landed very near me in the bullpen. It was a, a home run that Yastrzemski had just hit off of Tommy, and uh, he almost got two two birds with one or two Mets with one stone because hit the home run off of Tom and almost hit me in the bullpen when, when he was doing it. <laughs> well, that certainly would not, that, that would have been a, a, not as a happy ending as the one that ended up happening. No, for sure. I'm, I'm much more pleased with the one that uh, came about. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, John, you were, you were such an underrated pitcher for the Mets. And I think, you know, people could almost understand that. And maybe you can as well. You had, you were pitching in a rotation with Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman, but as we said earlier, you certainly had your recognition in 72, you were the Rookie of the Year, 73, you were a pennant winner, and, and you know, by all accounts, really, you know, should have been a World Series champion that year, had not a few things gone the wrong way in the 73 World Series against Oakland. But a season for you that really doesn't get talked about that often is 1974. You won 13 games, you had a 2.41 ERA, and you led the majors with what is now an astounding seven shutouts. I mean, seven shutouts. Teams don't have anywhere close to seven shutouts this year. Um, but I believe that that year has gotten even more respectable for you because of some of the newfangled stats. And I don't even know if you pay attention to this, but you led the league that year in war wins above replacement, and in situational, situational wins saved, both of which stats that didn't exist at the time, but you led the National League. And it was also the first of three straight seasons that you made the National League All-Star team. Can, can you talk a little bit about 1974 and what that meant to you? Well, 74 was, I guess, when I sort of found my stride and, and uh, confidence in what I was doing. Um, I didn't dwell a lot on the, the wins and losses uh, and fortunately the front office did when it came time for contracts but I looked at my job as keeping the team in the game um, meaning within a run up or down or tie uh, as long as they were going to let me stay out there and and that was my goal I was trying to do the best that I could do to pitch as deep into a ball game as possible and keep us in a position to be able to win um, so that's if I had accomplished that that day, win, lose, or draw, then I came away feeling like I had done my job. And you know, I think it happened eight times uh, that season where I gave up less than three runs and got beat by a run. Um, it, it, you, know, you look back on it and you shake your head and say, geez, if this bounce had gone this way or if this guy had just gotten a base hit in this situation – and there's a whole lot more wins that could have happened. They just didn't. And at the time, I didn't particularly worry about it. Um, it's just the way the ball bounced. Well, the, the ball certainly bounced uh, your way in uh, very, all the best ways that, that season. Um, you know, following your career, you spent so many years as a, as a coach, a pitching coach, a minor league instructor. How much do you watch today's game? And, and who are the players or pitchers in particular that you enjoy watching? I don't watch too much baseball, but I do follow it um, on 
on the computer the following day tracking guys that I may have been associated with or coached in the past, and unfortunately there's not a whole lot of them still playing because I've been out of the game now 10, 12 years. Um, well, about 10 maybe. Anyway, uh, the game has changed. Um, the approach is different. The training is different. Uh, the philosophy of starting pitchers and then the specialty pitchers that follow them um, totally different and I don't know how you even compare it to what I experienced when I was playing so uh, I do enjoy watching the, the games late in the season when it comes down to playoff and, and World Series time I, I try and tune in on those as best I can but um, I've sort of given up watching the game the rest of the time because I, I don't have that close association with it uh, from personal contact with the players that I used to when I was coaching. One of the things that you and I have really never discussed was was your trade from the Mets, and I know that was something that kind of caught you off guard, and and uh, you ended up being traded to the Texas Rangers, and I think that was you know the Mets certainly were were, were making some strange trades, and I know that a lot of the players were were talking to ownership at the time about trying to improve the the team, and I guess that ownership didn't appreciate that, and, and uh, since a lot of players packing, unfortunately, you were one of them. What, what can you tell me about that time with the Mets, or, or that your time, when your time ended with the Mets? Well, in retrospect, when I look back at it, they, there were times when I was asked, you know, did I want to be traded, and my answer was always, no, I didn't want to be traded. I wanted to see uh, a little offense put with the pitching and defense that we already had, and, and hopefully that would construct a, a winning effort. Um, and somewhere along the line, I think somebody construed that to mean that I didn't necessarily want to be there anymore. Um, but I, I guess more than anything, it was the kiss of death to have bought a house and completed um, three projects, uh, three years of projects. Uh, the day that I was putting the paintbrushes away from painting the screened-in porch, which was the last project we put on the house that night was the night I got the call by Joe McDonald saying I've got good news and bad news good news is we've got Willie Martinez in the trade I said oh that's great and he said well the bad news is we gave you up to get him and then he proceeded to tell me about the rest of the trade um, and it was a shock and I think if you had asked me to name one player on the Texas Ranger team at that point in time that night I probably couldn't have done it uh, because I was so entrenched and involved with what I was doing with the Mets and, and in the National League. You know, the, the Mets, you know, in that, you, you, they won in 1969 before you got there. Of course, 72 was your rookie year. So by the time you got there, uh, guys like Seaver and Kuzman were already well-established and, and, and what a great rotation to play in. Um, are you, in retrospect, uh, obviously 73, you guys got as close as you could getting to Game 7 of the World Series, but in retrospect, are you disappointed or how, in the fact that those Mets teams didn't win more, or how do you look back most at your time at the Mets? Um, I, there's no disappointment there, except from possible extent that, that you know we were known for pitching and defense, and uh, if we could have figured out a way to come up with a little more offense, um, who knows? It, it may have changed a whole bunch of things. It, it just wasn't the way things happened. So, you know, when you're buried in the day-to-day the -day grind of, of trying to do whatever it is you have to do to get ready for the next game to help your team be in a position to win, um, you're not worried about where the offense is coming from. You're worried about not giving up anything from the other side. 
Grody gave me great advice. And actually, the first game I pitched there in Cincinnati, um, before I threw the first pitch, he came trotting out to the mound with his mask on top of his helmet and asked me if I was scared. And I said, hell no, I'm shaking in my boots. And he said, well, don't worry about a thing. I'm going to take good care of you today. Uh, don't give him a run, and I guarantee you a tie. Turn around and went back to home plate. And that was sort of advice that I stuck by. If I didn't give up anything, it was going to be hard to lose. One of the things that uh, the Mets did right uh, recently was uh, announcing that you would be um, inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame. And that was supposed to happen uh, last summer. And unfortunately, last summer, really, well, last summer almost didn't happen uh, the way anybody, any of us thought it would. But uh that got put off. Uh, hopefully that'll happen this summer or in the very near future. Can you talk a little bit about that and what it felt like to, to get the call and what it feels like to, to or what it will feel like to be inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame? It's, it's, it's a dynamite honor. There's no doubt about it. And I'm very thrilled with it. Um, I was actually driving in my car, running some errands and I got a call, uh, on the, you know, the speaker in the car and the young lady said, uh, John Matlack, and I said, yes. She said, hold for Fred Wilpon. <laughs> I drove off the road. I did not expect to get a call from the owner of the ball club, uh, to say the least, and he proceeded to tell me that they'd had a vote and that I was going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame and congratulated me, and it was really a, a, a shocking but time that I, I was elated. Uh, still am. And looking forward to uh, being able to ultimately go through the ceremony, celebration, whatever they have planned, whenever they can get it scheduled, and, and hopefully we'll have this virus behind us at that time. Well, absolutely, and, uh, you know, the, the, the honor is long overdue because, like I said, you were uh, just an absolutely outstanding, um, outstanding pitcher and player and representative for the team, and, and you're a true gentleman of the game. And, and I thank you, as always, for joining me on BT Talks Baseball. John, uh, I wish you well. I wish you a happy and, more importantly, a healthy new year, and I look forward to talking to you soon. My pleasure, Brett. Take care now. Take care.